This morning, uh, we're going to look at one of the most important questions uh, in life. And I say one of the most important, if you were to take a, a bracket of 64 questions uh, and move it towards the final four, uh, this question would probably be in the final four. Uh, I'm guessing it actually would be in the final game, and it may even be a part of winning the championship of questions. Have you ever noticed, I just, I just noticed this this week for the first time, um, that, that the word quest is at the heart of the word question? Uh, a quest is this search for something more. Uh, the, the, the search for, for something, it's usually an arduous journey, a difficult journey to find something. And, and really every question is a quest, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a quest for knowledge. It's a quest to learn something. It's a quest to know something, to discover something. Our questions are these little mini quests. And, and the question we're going to look at today and really for the rest of this series leading up to Easter again, is one of the most important questions uh, that we'll ever ask. It's a question, in fact, that you've already asked. You've probably asked it a number of times in some form or another since you were a child. And here's the question. What's my purpose? What is my purpose? What's your purpose? And we may ask it in different ways, like what's the meaning of life? Uh, What's the point of all this? But it's the same question, what's my purpose? What's your purpose? Uh, we, we, may, we may think about it in terms of what keeps us up at night, what keeps us going throughout the day. What is it that helps us wake up in the morning and keeps us going? Uh, what is your purpose? Again, it's a question that we reflect on throughout our lives. We may not even have the words for it yet when we're young. I think of the question that gets posed to first, second, and third graders as they're sitting in class and people are being brought in to talk about careers and they they have the assignment, what do you want to be when you grow up? Isn't ultimately that a question of purpose? Think about the middle school or high school student that's bombarded with college preparation from the moment they get into the middle school. Uh, they, they, they take tests, they get asked, uh, they, they go to development class and they learn about the human body and having babies and all that stuff. Are you going to have kids? Are you going to get married? What are you going to do? Are you going to go to college? Are you going to go to trade school when you graduate? Are you going to get a job? Are you going to go off to the military? And what are those all questions of? Purpose. Think about the college student who, who spends their moments uh, studying. They have more freedom than they've ever experienced in their life discovering what they want to do and how they want to do it, broke, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to make things go and how to make ends meet. And at the heart of some of those things, even some of those really dark moments are questions of purpose. Like, what degree program? You're changing your degree again? Like, it's all a question of purpose. Think about young adults. They begin their time in the workforce. They start working the grind. They're putting in their 40, their 50, their 60 hours a week and something happens to them in their mid to late 20s where they're like, is this really it? Like, is this what I'm doing? Is the paycheck really worth it? And those are all questions of purpose. Or what about the middle-aged adult who, who reflects and they recognize that at the very least, more than half their life is over and probably even more than that. What's the point? What's, what's, what's the purpose? 
Or think about the person who's newly retired, and some of you may fit into that category, and you reflect on all that you've been doing the last 40 or 50 years, and suddenly, what, what do I do now? What's, what's my purpose in this season of my life? Or what about the person who's age, aged, or the person who is facing a health battle, or maybe laying on a bed, maybe breathing their last, and they're asking questions to themselves of, what have I done with my life? What has been my purpose? What have I lived for. It's a universal question of the human experience. In fact, it shows up all over the place. If you think about our art, uh, most of our musicians and songwriters, our filmmakers, our producers, our actors, our novel writers, our book writers, they're all in this quest to somehow articulate and identify this idea of purpose. Um, I, I found just some of our more modern um, artists, some, some lines from some of their music. One of them's a line from a popular television show that just hints at this search for meaning and purpose. Uh, Sean Mendez, some of you may listen to him. He has a song called Hold On from 2016. Here are lyrics in that song. I don't know what you are going through, but there is so much life ahead of you. Did you see or do you hear him pointing to purpose? Like, like hold on. There's, there's more to life. That's, that's, that's a statement, that's a sentiment of, of purpose. Billie Eilish uh, writes this haunting song called Everything I Wanted. Here are lyrics in it, and I'll explain where they come from in a moment. She says, if I could change the way you see yourself, you wouldn't wonder why you're here. Uh, Billie Eilish was interviewed by Cosmopolitan Magazine and asked about this particular song, and she gave the background behind it. She had a nightmare one night, and in that nightmare, uh, she took her own life. She committed suicide, and, and nobody cared. No, no, no one said that her life was worth value. In fact, there were sentiments expressed in the nightmare that, I'm glad she's gone. As you can imagine, if you have a nightmare like that, it's pretty startling, and so she wakes up, and she's very close to her brother, and so they have a conversation. And these are the words her brother spoke to her in real life, after this nightmare, if you could change the way you see yourself, you wouldn't wonder why you're here. And then she packaged that into a song about exploring, like, what are we here for? Again, it's a sentiment of purpose. One of the most popular television shows right now on Netflix is Stranger Things. I don't watch the show myself, but I know many people do. Here's a, here's a quote from season one, episode seven, one of the characters, Joyce Byers, speaking to her son, Jonathan, and she says this, you act like you are alone out there in the world, but you are not. You are not alone. What's the character trying to point her son to? There's more. There's more, and that's, that's a statement of, of purpose. And, and you can go to your favorite bands and your favorite television shows and your favorite movies, and there are statement after statement, lyric after lyric, chapter after chapter that speak to how to find purpose, explore what purpose is. It's all over the place. It's universal to the human experience. What is your purpose? What is my purpose? And oftentimes, we can identify where our purpose is and where we look for our more. Where do you look for your more in life? Where do you look for that more that will satisfy, that more that will bring you significance, that more that will bring you contentment? Where is that more for you? If you can identify where that more is found, who that more is, or what that more is, you'll be on track to identifying what you are living for when it comes to your purpose. Uh, I generated just a short list um, of the places that I often see people search for purpose, but let me tell you this, I'm not looking at this as an outsider. 
Uh, I'm on the inside of this. These are all places that at some point in my life, I have found myself potentially trying to find my purpose in. Work, how many people try to find their purpose in work? It's in what you do. Your identity is wrapped up in your job. I'm a nurse, I'm a doctor, I'm a teacher, I'm an employee at Lilly, I'm a truck driver, I'm fill in the blank. How many, how many of us have our identity, our purpose wrapped up in our success? We feel like we're always gotta be moving towards that next sales goal, that next promotion, that next accolade. And take it out of the work environment, just take it to sports. How many of us wanna pursue that, that place of success when it comes to our recreation, the things that we do? And yet what do we know that doesn't satisfy? I don't remember how many times Purdue made it to number one in the nation in college basketball this year, but guess what? It was never enough, was it? Let them be one, one, number one one more time. It's not gonna be enough if they win the Big Ten Championship today. What are they gonna do in the NCAA tournament? But the purpose becomes pursuing that success. For how many of us, can I have a list again? For how many of us is our purpose in relationships and people? We look for it in our children, we look for it in our spouses, we look for it in our friends. What about our pleasure? What makes us feel good? Whether that's uh, sex or the next hit, the next high, or maybe it's that vacation destination. Maybe it's stuff, maybe something you add to your life. Maybe it's uh, your significance. It's in the number of retweets you have, the number of followers, the number of subscribers. Maybe it's your appearance. Do you have the V cut? Do you have the thigh gap? Do you have the, the right cheek structure? Does your nose look just right? These are all places that we look for, for purpose and try to find our purpose. Uh, some look for it in social media. Uh, you may not articulate it this way, but you find yourself waiting for the next break to pull open your app, to scroll through the feed, and you find yourself longing for that time just to veg out at night and lay in your bed awake, the blue glow of the screen shining over you as you look for that next dopamine hit, that next debate, that next nugget of truth or conspiracy or whatever it is. Some of us, our purpose is found in activity. It's all about doing one more thing. You sit still, you, you, can't, you can't think straight. You've gotta be doing something because your purpose is found in doing or helping or going. For some of us, our purpose is found in our intellect. If I could just know more, if I could just understand more, if I could just be right. And for some, their purpose is firmly rooted in God. What he has to say about their life and their purpose, and their value, and their reason for existence. It doesn't take long to look at that list to see that one of those things is not like the others. Only one of those can bring perspective to all of the others. There's only one quest for more that will bring you enough. Our quest for more will never find enough in anything less than the eternal. Our quest for more will never find enough in anything less than the eternal. Do you know that you are hardwired for the eternal? Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11, I love how the New Living Translation says it. It says that God has planted eternity in the human heart. I just love that image, I love that visual. Here's the wise teacher most likely Solomon saying that God has planted eternity. There is a seed for eternity that's gonna sprout up and grow in you and it's gonna demand the sunshine, it's gonna demand the rain, it's gonna demand the nutrients that only God can provide. And if we don't find him, we will look for it in all these other things. 
We'll look for our purpose in someone else. We'll look for our purpose in something else. We'll look for our purpose in somewhere else. And our quest for more will never find enough in anything less than the internal, anything less than God. I don't know how many of you play video games, uh, how many of you have grandchildren or children that play video games or siblings that play video games, but in our popular video games, there are these things called side quests. There's the main storyline, what the game is aiming towards, the main objectives, and as content gets brought out for that game, there'll be these side quests. And you can choose to do all these side quests, but unless you're playing the main story, they will not make near as much sense or find their place. And we were made for one main story. Your purpose is found in the God who made you and loves you and created you. If we get caught up in all the side quests, they'll never find their meaning and their purpose. What I want to explore in this series and we want to launch today is how do we find our purpose in God? What does it look like to find our purpose in him so that he shapes all the rest. And as we're studying Acts, this shows up in a powerful and vivid way in Acts chapter 17. And it causes us to consider our purpose, our pursuit of purpose, alongside the Athenians that Paul is speaking to. We were in Acts chapter 17 last week. We were finishing up our series, Pursue One Another. And today we're gonna pick up where we left off last week, verse 16, looking at how we pursue our purpose. Uh, the third piece of our three-year strategic plan. How can we intentionally pursue our purpose? And I'm gonna give you just a summary of what happens in verses 16 to 34, kind of give you a context, and then we're gonna go back and we'll read almost all the verses over the next several minutes together. In Acts 17, 16 to 34, uh, Paul uh, is in Athens. He's been run out of Berea. Before that, he was run out of Thessalonica. And before that, he was flogged and imprisoned in Philippi. And he gets to Athens and he's doing what he's done in all these other places. He goes to the synagogue. He tells them about who Jesus is, how he fulfills all that they've been searching for and longing for and hoping for. He does something unique though in Athens. He leaves not just, not just, doesn't just go to the synagogue, but he leaves there and he heads into the marketplace. He goes to their coffee shops. He goes to their stores. Uh, he goes to their parks and he begins reasoning with them. And the motivation for that is because as he moves throughout Athens, it tells us in verse 16 that he is distressed to see that the city is full of idols. Uh, literally, in the Greek, that would be translated provoked in his spirit. Not the Holy Spirit, but that part of him, that decision-making part of him, he, he, is, he is stirred, he is, he is convicted, he is bothered by all these idols in Athens. And so he goes and he wants them to see that there's something better to be living for. There's a greater purpose. And as he goes to the marketplace, he encounters people that have uh, Epicurean philosophy and Stoic philosophy. We're not gonna mind the depths of what those are this morning, but that leads to an invitation to come to uh, a gathering of the city's most influential people. They'd be the influences of the day. And he goes to the Areopagus and he shares with them these things that he's been saying around uh, Athens. He tells them about Jesus, about the resurrection. Uh, he draws them to see the God that made them, to see how he fulfills their longing. And then as he does that, he challenges them to make a decision about it. And some decide to follow Jesus, some decide to follow Paul, and some do not. And that's what unfolds in these verses 16 to 34. One of the things that's most evident in these verses is that the Athenians were clamoring for purpose in many things other than the one true God. Let's just look at verse 16. 
While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Again, Paul is bothered that as he moves through Athens, it is full of idols. Uh, People who have um, written about ancient Athens will talk about all the temples that kind of cluttered the city. The most famous of which is probably the famous Parthenon. Uh, but there are temples all over. There are idols all over. There are, there are statues to, to, to gods. And some of these statues are profane. Uh, some of them are sensual. Like there are, there are evidences of their idol worship everywhere. In fact, uh, there is a writer from Athens named Petronius from a long time ago. If you're a Harry Potter fan, not a Patronus, but Petronius, the writer from Athens says, it's easier to find a god than a man in Athens. That, that, that's just how abundant idol worship was. It was on every corner, depicted in every picture, written about by their poets and their writers. These were men and women from diverse cultures who were searching for meaning and purpose in a number of what we would now know as false pursuits, false gods, idols. But the evidence goes beyond that. Look at how he addresses the Areopagus beginning in verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Paul says, listen, as as I walked around your streets, like I see that you're, you're religious. I see that you are searching you are searching for meaning. You are searching for purpose. You are searching for where, where, your, where your life is found, where hope is found, where, where, where you know, uh, your purpose is found. Like, like you're just trying to cover every basis. Like, like, like you, are, you are even creating statues and you're erecting things to the unknown God. Like let's make sure that if Artemis doesn't suffice, Zeus doesn't suffice, well, here's an unknown God in case we've missed anything. And Paul says, yeah, you have missed something. Let me tell you who you've missed. And he goes on to proclaim to them the God who made them and formed them, the one in whom they have life. Here's what he says in verses 24 to 28. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And you can just see him speaking to the Areopagus probably motioning because he's at a higher place. It's been also called Mars Hill, looking out to the Parthenon and to other temples and to other statues and saying, listen, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in these temples built by human hands. They cannot contain him. And he is not served by human hands at all these temples and all these altars. People would have brought gifts, thinking that somebody needed to win the favor of their gods. He says he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So again, here's the context. Paul is looking around Athens. He is distressed. He is startled. He is bothered by all the different ways the Athenians are looking for their purpose and where they're searching for their meaning. And he's so compelled, he takes advantage of the invitation to speak to the influences of Athens. 
And he says, guys, listen, you were searching for meaning. You were pursuing your purpose in all kinds of other things. But let me tell you where purpose is really found. It's really found in the God that made you, not the ones in whom you've erected temples for. It's the one who made you and gave you breath and gave you life. And he's created everything. And why did he create everything? Look back at those words of verse 27 again. He created everything. He created them so that you would seek him. So that you would seek him. Reach out for him and find him. There's a powerful picture here that's kind of missed in the NIV. Um, The the words that could be, be used are this grasping and groping. It's this picture of someone in a dark space searching maybe for that light switch, for that thing. And they're just grasping, they're groping, they're trying to find. And so Paul is saying, listen, there is something in you because of the God that made you that longs for eternity. It's that, that eternity that's planted in your heart. You're searching for him, but you're not gonna find him in Zeus. You're not gonna find him in Artemis. You're not gonna find him in this temple or that temple. It's found in the one who made you. He wants you to seek him and find him. And then he quotes from their own poets, their own Billy Eilish's. He says, for in him we live and move and have our being. The poet says, we are his offspring. He takes their words, how people in their culture clamor for persecution. He says, listen, this is talking about the God that made you and formed you. And I think, what a, what a timely word for us. Because I'm not sure we're that unlike Athens. Can we not move throughout our own world, our own country, our own city, and see that it's full of idols? Does that not distress us? It should distress us. It should bother us. Now, they don't go by the same names. They don't go by Zeus. They don't go by Artemis. They go by Tesla and Ford and Chevy, Toyota, Apple, Google, fentanyl, marijuana, Jose Cuervo, bungalow, two-story ranch, Disney World, Cancun. Just think about the list that I showed at the beginning. All of these places that we search for purpose Many of these in our lives, apart from God, become idols. We think that in them, we're going to find that which we desperately long for. But that longing in us will never be satisfied. Our quest for more will never find enough in anything less than the eternal God. And yet how many of us search and think that the stuff of this world and the people of this world and the places of this world will bring us that for which our hearts ultimately crave. And again, we can go back to the words of our own poets. Think back to the, to the words of Sean Mendez. I don't know what you're going through, but there's so much life ahead of you. What's he pointing them towards? He could be pointing them towards a relationship. He could be pointing them towards uh, uh, you know, improving their appearance. He could be pointing them towards some sort of success or work or significance, but none of those are gonna satisfy The only one that's gonna satisfy what he's writing is the God who made them and created them and formed them and forged them. Again, Billy Eilish's brother can encourage her. If you could see the way you see yourself, you would wonder why you're here, but she's still gonna wonder why she's there unless she finds the God who made her and created her and crafted her for life with him. And and, and the, the writers of Stranger Things can put great powerful lines like you act like you're all alone out there in the world, but you're not. 
You're not alone, and they can point people towards relationship or towards their friendship groups, but guess what? Those friends at some point will let you down. Those family members at some point are gonna die, and the only one that's gonna give you purpose and meaning is the God that made you and created you and loves you and wants a life and a relationship with you. The purpose of the Athenians, the purpose of Americans, your purpose and my purpose the purposes of everyone in the world is that we would seek the God who made us and formed us. And he doesn't dwell in temples made by human hands. But it's gonna require us to make a choice. Look at verses 29 to 31. He presents this to the influencers of Athens. These are the deep thinkers. These are the who's who. These are the people that have power and prestige. These are the people who are praised on the streets. And look at how he challenges them. He says, therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. He points the Athenians to where ultimate purpose is found, what their hearts long for, what their souls crave, but he says, you've got to make a choice. Like God's put up with this stuff for generations. People searching for their meaning, searching for their purpose in the stuff of this world, the things of this world, the people of this world, the experiences of this world. But he said, the time is coming when, when you're going to be judged. And the only response in this moment is that we need to repent. We have to turn from these things. That's what repentance means, to turn from these things and to turn towards him. He puts the choice before them. And God still puts the choice before us. If you are here, if you are listening, if you are watching online and you don't know Jesus, you've not trusted and followed him, you've looked for your purpose and your meaning in anything on this list that I've shown you. You've looked for it in your work. You've looked for it in your success. You've looked for it in your appearance, your significance, your activity, your stuff, your pleasure. It's time to repent and say, these things aren't gonna satisfy. You've experienced it. They always leave you wanting more. That vacation may be great, but guess what? If you're looking for purpose in that, you're waiting to plan the next one. Maybe even to go into debt for the next one. There's only one that can satisfy, and that's the Jesus that God has sent to rescue you and redeem you. And he's prepared to have a relationship with you. Stop grasping around, stop groping around, stop, stop searching in the darkness and find the one for whom you were made. If you'd like to know more about finding your purpose in him, we'd invite you to connect with us. I'm happy to start a conversation in the front of the room after this service. You can email us, connect at lebanonchristian.org. You can scan the QR codes in our building that say, let's connect. You can go old school and take a connection card from one of our communion stations and write what you need on there. And we will help you discover the life in God that you were created for, your purpose. But let's be really cautious if you're already a follower of Jesus to think that there's not repentance demanded of us. It's easy. It's easy to say how the world is full of idols. But we won't make progress until we identify the own, the, how idols take place in our own life, the place they take in our own lives. You may say we don't have temples to Zeus, we don't have temples to Artemis anymore. We have temples. They're stadiums, they're theaters, they're entertainment complexes. Sometimes there are child sporting events, sometimes there are families. 
Sometimes they're the 50 and 60 and 70 inch TVs that are sitting on our, our television stands. Sometimes there are they're beds where we look to see what can fulfill us, what can satisfy us there. Just look at this list again and just be honest with yourself. Which of these are you pursuing more than you're pursuing God? What captivates your attention? What shows up most in your bank statement? Where does most of your mind and your energy go towards in your thinking and your doing? Because if any of these take precedence over God, we are, we are worshiping idols. And idols are prevalent. And every one of us needs to examine our lives. Where do you need to repent? Where do you need to turn? Where do you need to stop living for the things of this world and instead turn towards him? Because until you find your purpose, your ultimate purpose in him, you will miss out on the very best that God has for you. Our quest for more, your quest for more will never find enough in anything less than the eternal, in anything less than God. And I believe wholeheartedly that for some in this room today, the step you need to take is just to simply repent with great humility and say, God, I have not made you my first love. My first love is my family. My first love is my success. My first love is my job. My first love is my appearance. My first love is what pleases me. My first love is not you. And so God, today I'm laying that back down at your feet and I'm gonna pursue you and let you show me. Let your story determine how I understand the side quests in my life and what I'm up to. Here's what I love about what happens in Athens, we see the decision time, verses 32 to 34. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And at that, Paul left the council. But that's not the end of the story. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. And among them were Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. When we come face to face with our purpose, when you come face to face with your purpose in God and we're forced to make a decision, will we repent? Will we turn from living life for any number of these things to living life for him and finding our purpose in him? When we make that choice, we're changed. But we have to make that decision. Some listening right now, you're gonna say, nope, nothing needs to change in my life. You're gonna sneer at what I've just said. Some are gonna say, you know what? Maybe there's some things to consider but some of you are gonna be changed. You're gonna get your life on purpose and you're gonna see how God moves and works and does things in the you never thought imaginable. Our quest for more will never find enough in anything less than the eternal, in anything less than Jesus. What I would encourage you to do is when we sing in just a few moments, I wanna sing a song called Jesus Firm Foundation and Again, if you, if you need to repent and turn to Jesus for the first time, I'd encourage you to take those first steps. I've already told you how, but if you're a follower of Jesus, that you would just let the words of this song permeate your heart. Is he your firm foundation? Is he the one uh, who you are living for? But I encourage you in one final way. Um, you can't help someone else find their purpose unless you're living on purpose. The whole reason Paul is successful in Athens is because Paul's on purpose. But a person living on purpose and for the purposes of God is motivated and compelled to help other people experience that. Just some brief observations about Paul, verses 16 and 17. 
Paul is bothered by the idols, but is he bothered by the idols to the point that he distances himself from people and says, oh, those Athenians, a bunch of heathens, like look what they're doing. No, the stirring leads him to bring himself towards the people. He goes to the synagogue, but not just the synagogue. He goes to the marketplace. He goes to where people are gathered to help them discover their purpose in him. But even more than that, he's a student. When Paul gets up in the Areopagus, what does he say? I see that you're religious. I've studied what you're doing. I even saw a statue to an unknown God. He even knows the words of their philosophers and some of their poets so he can reword them back to them, pointing them to Jesus. Will you and I be on purpose and look intentionally at our world and say, okay, what windows do I have to help these people I'm in relationship with, these people I meet in the marketplace as I find my purpose so I can help them find their purpose? Will you and I see that your quest, my quest, our quest for more will never find enough in anything less than the eternal? Let's pray. God, I thank you for just the power of this event in your story. God, you know that like 1,972 years ago, right about this time, that Paul is helping people in Athens discover their purpose, and now we get to retell that story. But God, may we not leave Paul's words on the pages of our Bibles or our screens but may we allow them to be embedded in our hearts and would you drive us to find our purpose in you? God, would you give courage to those that are listening or watching or here that have yet to surrender their lives to you, to trust and follow you, to find their life and their purpose in you, to take those first steps? God, in a room that's full of mostly people who've already decided to trust and follow you, would you bring the powerful conviction of your spirit on our idol worship? Would there be no safe space in our hearts where we can harbor other gods? Would you draw us to be people who, with deep conviction and tears and holy reverence, respond to let you be the only God of our lives, to live our lives on purpose for you? Would you would you give us the courage to lay them at your feet? And if we need help from someone else to lay them at your feet, would you give us the courage to open up and ask? And God, would you cultivate a people here like Paul who are passionate about your purpose, who reach out into our world, not just pursuing you, pursuing Jesus, but pursuing other people they might find you. And we pray these things trusting and counting on them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.